Kakashi Harake is easily one of the most popular characters in the Naruto franchise. His cool nature, use of Sharingan, and hilariously strict use of a black face mask to hide his identity have made him not only a fan favorite, but one of the go-to characters people recognize the moment anyone says the word ninja. Kakashi wasn't always as he is now though. His life had a rocky start, and this was mostly due to the death of his father, Sakumo. Sakumo was a proud shinobi and strong. He was one one of those once-in-a-lifetime prodigies that seemed to crop up more than once in a lifetime. His strength was hailed by even the likes of Minato, and was said to cause the Sanin, Jiraiya, Orochimaru, and Tsunade to pale in comparison. Beyond physical strength though, Sakumo had incredible strength of character, and believed in hard work over talent, as he warned Kakashi not to underestimate Guy just because he wasn't as gifted in ninjutsu as he was. Sakumo also believed in his friends and his bonds, willing to sacrifice everything to protect them. However, when choosing his friends over his mission, he blundered the mission and received the ire of Konoha. He felt that he brought shame upon the Harake name, and fearing his son would have to grow up with that shame, decided to reclaim his honor through Harakiri. It was this death that changed Kakashi from a prideful, brash young man, whose Nindo involved always being there for his friends, to being a strict, unfeeling person, whose cold, by-the-book demeanor tended to get on the nerves of every shinobi he ever worked with. Kakashi would eventually come to realize the ideals that his father fought for with the help of his friend Obito. But I do wonder how things might have changed if Sakamo had never died. What might the shinobi world have looked like? Welcome to the Amagi! Before we begin, we publish a new video every day, so be sure to subscribe to our channel and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos. Also, we just released some brand new merch. If you'd like to show your support for the channel even further while at the same time repping stylish clothing, be sure to check that out as well. The store is linked below. YouTube's been unsubscribing users from channels lately, so if you're a fan of us, please do us a favor and double check to see if you're still subscribed. It only takes a second and it helps us a ton here at Amagi. And with that out of the way, Let's get into the video. As a child, Kakashi looked up to his father, wanted to be just like him, and emulated and learned from him like any son would. And much like his father, he was naturally gifted. He passed the academy not with a clone transformation, but with a multi-shadow clone jutsu. That is, his clones weren't simple holograms. He made physical clones, and he made a ton of them. That was how gifted he was. Kakashi wanted to be a great ninja, and he wanted to protect his friends no matter what. However, life would do a Mexican hat dance on his heart when his father's shame caught up to him. But for this one brief moment, I'm going to imagine a world that was different than this. I'm going to imagine a world where Sakamo never was shamed for saving his friends. So join me, will you? A world where Sakamo survived. The best place to really begin for us would be the mission where he failed to complete it in exchange for saving his friends. I don't wish to change who Sakamo is deep down, so I'm going to say that he still saved his friends, choosing them over the mission. However, I am going to erase his shame by saying that he and his team not only managed to complete their mission, but that the way they did it was something to be written in the books of legends. Instead of being shunned by his superiors, he is celebrated, loved, and carried back to the village on the shoulders of all the shinobi his actions saved. Those in the opposing villages would all grow to hate and fear him even more. All the while, little Kakashi watches on with sparkling eyes, his own father the hero of his life. So what happens next? Well, Kakashi continues to have Sakamo guide him. Kakashi, as a person, grows more kind, more caring, more respectful, and his potential begins to be realized far faster and far greater than before. Kakashi ends up making friends with Team Minato after being assigned to the team, and he becomes hypersensitive to the feelings of his friends. He cares deeply for Rin and for Obito, why he would never rub his accomplishments in his face. Kakashi would downplay every accomplishment he himself made, 
made and would put his teammates up on a pedestal, just as his father would. Of course, this only makes Kakashi's fame and popularity grow, but at the same time, he is attempting not to cast a shadow over the accomplishments of his peers. Indeed, he becomes a Chunin first, but he doesn't flaunt it. He celebrates with his friends, yes, as is what he deserves, and his father even presents him with his own white light chakra saber as a gift for ascending the ranks. But as Rin and Obito take their own tests to become Chunin, Kakashi is right there, cheering them both on. Go Rin! You can do it, Obito! I believe in you both! He shouts from the stand. When Rin passes, he celebrates, and when Obito fails, he's there for a hug, promising that he won't let his friend fail again, swearing to train with him day and night until he's Jonin level if that's what it takes. Even still, he doesn't make fun of Obito when he cries over his failures, which causes Obito to ditch his goggles early, not needing to hide who he really is just to look tough. Kakashi himself is crushed on by Rin, but Kakashi doesn't really reciprocate. He does, however, try to support Obito, who he knows thinks of nothing but Rin day and night. He tries to set them up, push them together, tries to helpers see Obito for who he really is. Boy, the selflessness is just pooling all around Kakashi in this what if. The day that Obito becomes a Chunin is the day that Kakashi becomes a Jonin, but Kakashi's almost too ashamed to say so. He's grateful for being talented, but he doesn't want to make himself look too strong in front of his friends, so he hides it. They go out to celebrate because Obito became a Chunin. They eat until their faces are stuffed, and they just have one heck of a time. Sakamo asks Kakashi why he's not celebrating the fact that he's become a Jonin, and Kakashi says that he is, but he doesn't want to step on Obito's accomplishments. This reaction causes Sakamo to be proud of Kakashi, truly proud, letting him know that his son really is his son. Eventually, Kakashi would let them know. He has to, and you know what? They celebrate again. Minato knew from the very start and said nothing to the team under Kakashi's request. He is also proud of Kakashi. He's proud of his entire team, who are each and every one of them understanding of the concept of Shinobi, realizing without knowing that they're living the will of fire. Complete selflessness, prioritizing your friends and your village over yourself. Eventually, though, the time comes for them to go to war. The third Shinobi war is being waged, and so many Shinobi Obi and people are being killed in what seems to be an endless cycle of hatred and bloodshed. But Team Minato are strong. They're sent on a mission to the Kanabi Bridge to destroy it. In the process of this mission, Minato normally would be sent away to help the front lines, but he isn't. You know why? Because Sakamo is currently alive, meaning there's another legendary shinobi here to take his place. Minato goes with Rin, Kakashi, and Obito to destroy the Kanabi Bridge. They're attacked by Iwanin, but this is nothing. They chase them off like a flock of birds. This results in the completion of the mission, and Obito isn't forced into darkness by circumstance and Madara's grasp. Instead, the entirety of Madara's will is left for Black Zetsu. The bridge is destroyed, and the team is welcomed back to the village as heroes. However, it isn't long after that chaos erupts in Konoha. The war had ended, but Hiruzen had stolen victory away from his own people by giving in and signing an armistice. This causes Hiruzen to decide to step down. However, a new Hokage must be chosen, and who is? Well, it boils down to three people. Fugaku Uchiha, Minato Namakaze, and Sakamo Harake. Sakamo's legendary feats, his incredible strength, and his years of experience secure him the spot as the fourth Hokage. This basically makes Kakashi royalty. He's congratulated by his friends for his father's accomplishments. Kakashi smiles with pride when looking up to his father's face on the Hokage monument. This only causes him to study and try harder. Rin is pleased with this as well, and Obito can't help but smile knowing he's friends with the Hokage's son, feeling popular just by association. Kakashi's role in the village begins to 
grow larger, although he doesn't join the Anbu. The Anbu is no place for a heart as caring as his. It's particularly why Sakamo never joined. A member of the Anbu is expected to give up everything for their village. This includes their safety, their identity, and their ideals. Kakashi could never prioritize a mission over the lives of his teammates, and that's why they didn't even bother inviting him to the Anbu. Time slowly passes, and it's discovered that Koshina Uzumaki is pregnant with hers and Minato's first child. Sakamo would congratulate them personally and offer to shelter them during the time of her labor to protect both the child and the mother from any who would want to take the child from them or take the mother due to her unique status as a Jinjuriki. Knowing the importance of the moment, Sakamo is there along with his many other guards and Team Minato to protect them. Black Zetsu might show up to take the Ninetales, but upon seeing how many people are guarding her, especially such high-level shinobi, he opts merely to leave as he's not stupid enough to get himself killed and knows that this is a fake chance. The seal may be weak, but Konoha had made up for that by placing her under even greater protection. He would rather wait. The child is born and named Naruto. Kakashi looks on with wonder at the stressful yet sweet moment. Sakamo would tell him that the feeling that he's feeling now is what it means to be a parent. Your child both stresses you out and makes you so proud. Seeing this wonderful moment is what spurs Kakashi to decide to continue the Harake family name. Personally, I believe it is his past trauma, such as the loss of his father in such a cruel way, that turned Kakashi away from the idea of having a child of his own, as he knew his job was dangerous and didn't want the child to risk the pain of losing his father. Then again, Hoka Taketori exists. This is Kakashi's love child, and you can never convince me otherwise. Naruto would grow, surrounded by the love of his parents. Minato there to train him, and Kushina to kiss every boo-boo he gets in the process. They have a happy life, and through this, Naruto's own potential is expanded and shown to be prodigious. And because the Ninetales never attacked, the Uchiha never plan a coup because they were never blamed. Because of that, Itachi never needs to worry about slaughtering his own family, and instead ends up becoming a legendary shinobi within the Anbu, alongside Shisui. By the way, Shisui never perishes either, nor does he have his peepers pilfered by Grab Hands Danzo. About half of the tragedies just up and go away with Sakamo's survival. This begins to push us towards the Naruto storyline. Naruto would be in the academy, and there he would be, acing his tests, proving to be every bit the prodigy his father was. Sasuke is there too, also a bit of a prodigy, having studied and trained hard just to impress his father and keep up with his brother. It doesn't hurt none that he's bred from good genes either. Naruto is a bit more serious as a person, and Sasuke is a bit more lax. Their personalities seem to match Obito and Kakashi's to a point, with Sakura being their Rin. Kakashi thinks it's quite funny how similar the two teams are, and of course, he is chosen to lead this new Team 7. Much like Team Minato before, he desires to test them for their teamwork with the Bell Test, and they pass with flying colors. As if you would think that they wouldn't. With Naruto being a less annoying character and Sasuke being less of an edgelord, the two are actually fairly similar in personality now, and that leads to Sakura developing a slight crush on both of them, with them reciprocating this back to a slight degree. Their strong bond causes them to naturally put the other ahead of themselves, and given that they've known each other since earlier days in the academy, that bond is strong, meaning this team is strong. Before I continue on, there is something that I meant to mention earlier, but totally forgot about until now. Orochimaru is dead. The reason for this is completely due to Sakamo's involvement. You see, Orochimaru was found to be kidnapping people with unique abilities and performing experiments upon them to discover the secrets of these jutsu. In the original timeline, Hiruzen Saratobi discovers this plot and leads a group of 
Shinobi to capture him. They corner him and have him dead to rights, but Hiruzen, ever the softy, finds himself unable to end his own student's life and lets him go. Ironically, during the main timeline, Kakashi pursues for a time, but is warded off by Orochimaru's killing intent. Not in this world, though. In this world, Sakamo is here and he understands the importance of getting justice. And the thing is, he has the strength to do it. Best case scenario, he brings Orochimaru in and has him spend the rest of his days, say, in the blood prison. Worst case scenario, he has to kill him, which Sakamo likely would be able to do. Either way, this pulls Orochimaru out of play for the story, and that is fairly important to point out, as it is another nexus that is shifted in the story. So once this test is done, not only does Kakashi get a feel for his students are personality-wise, but he also gets a feel for their abilities as well. Kakashi would soon continue mentoring them, teaching them, and watching them continue their low-rank missions. Certain that they could handle more than this, he requisitioned his father to give them the Land of Waves mission. On their way, they would encounter many of Gato's men, but would not encounter Zabuza and Haku. The reason for this is that Obito did not fall to darkness. Since he did not fall to darkness, he was not capable of casting Yagura and Isobu under a genjutsu that could turn them into the detestable leader that Yagura eventually became. Due to this, Zabuza Momochi and Haku Yuki didn't show up. This is because Zabuza does not lead an uprising against the fourth Mizukage, and Haku never ends up rescued by Zabuza, leading to his ultimate fate, something that is almost tragic enough for me to cry about. While there, they wait about as Tazuna readies the bridge. Inari and Tsunami would be held for ransom by Gato. Due to this, building on the bridge comes to a stop. Gato and his men threaten to kill her if they don't turn over Tazuna to them. Tazuna is ready to go, but Kakashi stops him. Kakashi says that they will find a way to handle this. Gato and his men hole up in a warehouse owned by Gato's company, where they keep Tsunami and Inari. Kakashi's plan goes like this. He will transform into Tazuna through the transformation jutsu. Sasuke will then transform into Kakashi with the transformation jutsu as Sakura transforms into Sasuke. They will all make an appearance at the exchange, and they will turn over Kakashi in Tazuna's place. And then Gato and his men turn over Inari and Tsunami, and they'll run for it. However, as they get there to enact the plan, Gato goes back on his word and takes the disguised Kakashi along with Inari and Tsunami. He plans to make a public example out of them. However, when they get back to the warehouse and everyone is locked up together, Kakashi ditches the disguise and would help Inari and Tsunami escape. He would then turn back and capture Gato personally and deliver him to the people of the Land of Waves to deal with in their own way. Spoiler alert, his fate is not too different from Kaiza's. The bridge is finished and named White Fang Bridge in honor of the title that both Kakashi and Sakamo shared together. After all, every beast always possesses two fangs. Returning to the leaf, Kakashi checks in with his father and mentions the mission's success, as well as the skills of Team 7. This impresses Sakamo, who gives them the okay to allow them entrance to the Chunin exams. Now, the first test does seem to go a little bit differently, as Sasuke's never awakened his Sharingan, meaning he's going to be about as clueless as Naruto. However, Naruto's own paper will likely have a couple right answers on it, as he himself is a bit smarter. Given how smart and gutsy he is at this point in time, he more than likely passes the test, along with the rest of the team. In the Forest of Death, they shouldn't have much issue, considering that Orochimaru is dead, the hidden sound doesn't exist, and both Sasuke and Naruto have a stronger base. While true that Sasuke currently does not possess the Sharingan, and Naruto is not the Ninetales Jinchuriki, they're still stronger without these techniques. And since Sasuke is not branded with the curse mark, he can continue to use ninjutsu in battle, which means he'll easily pull his weight. They'll more than likely pass this test too. Then comes the exhibition matches where a few things may change. First off, Sasuke is not nerfed due to his curse mark. He has a full range of techniques that he can use. Naruto as well has his full range of techniques as well as his Rasengan, which he would have learned early with the help of his father. This leads to the month off. Sasuke would train with Itachi and Shisui, and during this time, his determination allows him to awaken his Sharingan. Naruto trains with his father and Jiraiya, both of whom teach him 
in Toad summoning Flying Raijin and Sage Mode. Returning to the arena for the quarterfinals, Naruto would be facing off against Neji Hyuga. In doing so, he'd begin to toss kunai like wildfire, but they don't hit Neji. Instead, they hit the ground near him, which he already finds suspect. Naruto activates Sage Mode and his multi-shadow clone jutsu and begins to start coming at Neji, who's defending to the best of his ability. His 360-degree field of vision helps him keep track of the entire field, except for one tiny spot. However, Naruto is yet to learn of this spot. Neji isn't just going to take that sitting down. He needs to find a way to deal with this. He recognizes that Naruto's teleportation is based heavily around the kunai he threw out, and so Neji begins to use palm rotation to blow the kunai away and make a safe area where he knows Naruto clones can't spawn from. Keeping his back to the wall, he continues to defend until Naruto's sage chakra gives out. Once he sees this weakness, Neji rushes in with the 8 trigram 64 palms and takes Naruto down. Neji wins and Naruto loses. However, Naruto is congratulated by his father and Jiraiya for doing so well. Sasuke is set to fight Gara of the Hidden Sand, and through use of Sharingan as well as the Chidori technique that Kakashi had abandoned years ago, he manages to break through Gara's defenses and strike him, which sets him off. Gara begins to panic, but that doesn't stop him as his siblings put him to sleep to release Shukaku. Now, I can hear you saying it now. Orochimaru is dead, so why is the Konoha crush happening? Did you forget or something? No, I did not forget. Doesn't change the fact that in this world, Konoha crush would still happen. The difference? Orochimaru is not the mastermind. Know who is? The actual fourth Kazakage, the one who wasn't killed here because Orochimaru is dead. The entire Chunin exam event was a pretext for war. Tsunagakure and its inhabitants hate Sakamo Harake's guts. They terrified him, and among the many people who hate Sakamo is Chio and Sasori, mainly because Sakamo was responsible for killing Chio's son and daughter-in-law, both of whom are Sasori's parents. So are things starting to make sense now? According to the fourth Raikage, this event was run by Orochimaru, but the true mastermind behind it was Rasa, the fourth Kazakage, Danzo Shimura, and the Akatsuki. Danzo is currently out of the picture for the invasion, but Rasa and the Akatsuki aren't going to pass this chance up. Both want to crush Konoha for various reasons. Tsunagakure is undergoing budget cuts due to most of the funds going to Konoha, due to the latter being a more popular village with generally superior shinobi. Rasa hates that and knows that if he can kill the Hokage and decimate the village, he can get rid of his village's biggest rival. Not to mention Sakamo's actions in the war scarred Suna for life. Chiyo wishes to kill Sakamo as well for what he had done to her child, and Sasori, a member of the Akatsuki, has some baggage to throw around as well. However, Sasori's emotional interest in this raid is not a good enough reason for the Akatsuki to attack. You know what is a good enough reason? Kushina Uzumaki. She's in the stadium alongside her husband. As Minato and the other legendary shinobi of the village are busy dealing with Suna's forces, as well as the One Tail, the Akatsuki will swoop in and take the Nine Tails right out from under them. And this is exactly what they do. Now, Sakamo and Kakashi are plenty enough to deal with Rasa, Chiyo, and Sasori. And Minato is out there with Shisui and Itachi attempting to deal with Shukaku. But what nobody's noticing is that Kushina is missing. Eventually, the dust settles and the battle has ended with the deaths of Sasori, Chiyo, and Rasa. And Gara has been pacified and captured. However, Kushina is nowhere to be found. And so, a party consisting of Minato, Kakashi, Itachi, and Team 7, due to the emotional interest of Naruto, are sent after the Akatsuki. However, upon reaching the end of the trail, they find not the Akatsuki, but Kushina lying there. Minato and Naruto run to her side, and she reveals to them that they took the Nine Tails out of her and left with it. Minato holds his wife, and Naruto, through a tear-stained face, begs her not to go. However, it's not enough, and she perishes. This scene shakes all nearby, and so Naruto is given time off to be with his father and grieve, all while Sakamo tries to understand why they wanted her Nine Tails. They would interrogate the Sand siblings. Gara, they would basically have to muzzle, but Konkuro and Tamari were a bit more forthcoming. They, however, had nothing to tell. They did not know the true reason why the Akatsuki took Kushina, as 
they guessed this was all an attempt by their father at revenge for Konoha's successes after the war under Sakamo's leadership. Sakamo would receive word from Suna that they wanted their tailed beast back, but he refuses this until they get the nine tails back. At this point, he tells Suna that they have no room to ask him for anything, and they should be glad that Konoha's not rolling up on their doorstep to destroy them for what they pulled to the exams. With that, Suna sort of slinks back into their corner and waits like an obedient dog for Sakamo not to be furious at them anymore. Sakamo begins the Akatsuki suppression mission early in which they search for all the Akatsuki. All the while, the Akatsuki are gathering more and more tailed beasts. In their hunt, they manage to kill Kisame, Deidara, Kakazu, and they seal up Hidan. However, they're unable to successfully retrieve the rest of the tailed beasts. This, however, leads to Pain himself coming to the village to take the one tail that they've hidden. Given that they know he's a prisoner and that this is a surprise attack, they know where to find him. They go straight for the prison cells where they find Gara. In a moment of self-defense, he attempts to utilize Shukaku to fight Pain, and this actually helps to a point. Pain doesn't really know what he stepped into, and he underestimated them. He's walking into a village where many of the greatest shinobi since Hashirama Senju still live. And so, Itachi, Shisui, Kakashi, Minato, Naruto, Jiraiya, Fugaku, Sasuke, Sakamo, they all gang up on these six paths of pain. With their powers divided so thinly and the power not exactly being balanced across all of these six paths, the paths are destroyed. And once they're destroyed, it doesn't take much for a sensory type shinobi or a sage mode user, of which there are currently three, to find Nagato. They would come upon Nagato and Konin, and Jiraiya would beg them to allow him to talk to the Ame orphans. He would approach them and would be informed of the tragic demise of Yahiko, something that upsets Jiraiya deeply. But he sympathizes with them and their goals, and tells them that this isn't the way to go about doing it. He Naruto, Minato, and many others behind them begin to explain to them their dreams, and what they hope to accomplish and how they plan to do it. And Nagato understands this, and undoes the damage he had done with his Samsara of Heavenly Life technique. With the death of Nagato, they return to the village to find that the Uchiha have pacified Gara once again. The tailed beasts are returned to the villages by Konan, and Black Zetsu, who is too weak to do much besides just manipulate people, just disappears into the shadows. He would likely try to steal the Rinnegan from Nagato, but part of me wonders just how successful he would be with Conan watching over the body. I mean, Conan is no slouch when it comes to power. In the main timeline, she nearly killed Obito, and Obito even had his Kamui ability active. She did so much damage that he could have died, he just barely won out. Black Zetsu isn't anywhere near as strong as her, and if he plans to defile the body of one of the friends she cherished so deeply, then he can expect to get a major ass whooping, because she's not just gonna let it happen. So with all of the tailed beasts returned to their villages, Naruto takes up the mantle of Jinchuriki from his mother and takes Kurama into himself. With the crisis averted, Gara is allowed to return to his village along with his brother and sister. Everyone celebrates. However, this happiness doesn't last for all of our heroes. Itachi still gets sick. He may be in Konoha and he may be loved by his family and a hero to the leaf, but that doesn't change that he does fall ill and it's terminal. Or so they think. Now, maybe I overestimate her, but Tsunade may have a chance to heal him. I mean, in the main time, line, Orochimaru was confident that Tsunade could even heal the necrosis caused by the Reaper Death Seal, and she was even capable of healing the damage caused by Tsukiyomi on both Sasuke and Kakashi, so pardon me if I think she might be able to do it. Given that Itachi never had to kill his entire clan and leave Konoha in this world, it seems possible to believe that he could easily get help from Tsunade. It seems likely that Jiraiya would visit her and ask her to help heal Itachi. She may seem a little annoyed at first, but I think she would. Now, all things considered, the main meat of Naruto's story was actually wrapped up in part one, meaning they have all the time from here on out to enjoy peace and to train, which means that when Taneri starts causing trouble seven years later, everyone is freaking souped up and ready to clobber him. And clobber him they do. I still 
still imagine that they could turn him back from the dark side. I mean, even if they don't have access to proof that Hamada's will had nothing to do with killing everyone Skull Kid style, Shisui still had Koroama Tsukami that he could cast. And so there brought another 13 years of peace before Momoshiki and Kinchiki attack. By that time, I assume Sakamo has passed on the Hokage's office, likely to Kakashi. And yes, eventually Momoshiki and Kinchiki arrive to take the Ninetales from Naruto, but they underestimate the shinobi of the leaf. Much like he had with Kushina, Minato incorporates his special flying Raijin formula into Naruto's 8 trigram seal. Which means it's time to put on your bandanas, boys, because we got some aliens to kill. And much like against Toneri and Pain, they literally have every legend in Konoha showing up for this fight, and a lot of them have hacks abilities. Truly, I wonder if Kodoama Tsukami would work on a Rinnegan user. Either way, we still got Susanos and Tailed Beast Mode Naruto going at it with them, so it's safe to say that Momoshiki and Kinshiki are dead. And as for Ishiki, well, I wonder if Kodoama Tsukami would work on him, too. Even if not, there are so many people here who have various abilities to help deal with him, and worst case scenario, they need to rely on Baryon Mode again, and that's only worst case scenario. I mean, if Itachi has awakened his Mangekyo Sharingan, which logically he could have, he could just cast Tsukiyomi. Then again, it is possible to resist, and that seems like something Ishiki could do. Anyway, they have a lot of options, and Ishiki is facing a whole army, basically, so I heavily doubt that he's going to be able to do anything to beat them. But I guess that is just my two cents. So what did you think about the video? Did you enjoy it? Is there something you would have done differently? Let me know down in the comments below. I always love to hear from you. Did you enjoy our video? Well, then be sure to check out these other great videos from the Amagi, and make sure to subscribe and ring the bell to get notified about our latest videos.